At the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, the people of God have been roaming around in the wilderness for 40 years, right? They've been set free from slavery in Egypt where they were slaves for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. God miraculously unleashes them from Egypt. They get out into the wilderness and instead of automatically entering in to the promised land and having new rest, they're roaming around for 40 years, having to depend on God for their food, for their uh, hope, uh, for direction. And now at the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, they're just east of the promised land on the precipice of this new era, ready to enter in. And so Moses stands up and begins to remind the people who they are, where they come from, whose they are. Because you see, these people that are about to enter the promised land were either children or weren't even born yet when they were released from Exodus. And so he wants to make sure that everyone in the group knows where we've come from and who we are. And he also knows that they are about to enter a dangerous time in their existence. But what's interesting is it's not dangerous because of the battles they're about to fight. It's not dangerous because of the physical um, harm that would be possible to come to them. In a few uh, chapters, Moses points out that the dangerous thing that the Israelites are going to encounter when they enter the promised land is prosperity. When they enter into the land, they're going to, their flocks are, are going to increase. Their vineyards are going to be plentiful. Their name and their fame and their power is going to spread and people all across the world are going to know who these people are. And Moses says, we need to remember before we enter this space, before we we find our way into this land of plenty, who we are and whose we are. And so he begins by telling them the story of how they exited, exit, exit Egypt. <laughs> I'll get it out. And how they've roamed around in the wilderness. He reminds them where they come from, that, that they didn't earn their way out. They didn't strength their way out. They found favor in God's sight and were led out. And then he begins to remind them of the law they encountered and they, were, they received from God. And he starts with what we call the Ten Commandments. You ever heard of those? Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody next to you. Do this real quick, okay? Turn to somebody next to you and as quickly as you can, get as many of the Ten Commandments out as, as you can. How many do you know? Ready? It's not a quiz, not a test. I'm not going to check up on you. Just try to do as many as you can right now. Go. This happened in the first service too. There are more words being spoken than if you read them all directly from the text. <clears throat> you guys are making them longer than they are, I think. 
How'd you do? I saw a lot of fingers. Anybody think they got them all? You don't know. I haven't given them to you yet. Can we put them on the screen? Anybody get them all? It's okay if you didn't. Again, not a test. Here's the truth of it. I'll be honest. When I start to hear someone talk about the Ten Commandments, my eyes start to glaze over a little bit. Can I just be real about that? I think, I know what these are. I can probably tell you all of them or I'll at least get close. They feel like an easy reach. I think I might even live these Ten Commandments, right? But this is at the root of who the people of God are. As Moses prepares the people to enter the promised land, he wants to remind them that this is, is the foundation of who we are supposed to be. And when Jesus was asked in the New Testament, what, what, which, which of the commandments, which of the commandments, <laughs> I'm struggling. Which commandment is the greatest? He narrows it down to two, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. And you can look at the Ten Commandments and you can see how they're kind of split up that way, right? You get the first three is really focused on our relationship with God. You see five through 10 tend to be focused on our relationship with each other. Now, I might be wrong about this and it's okay. You can disagree with me later if you like, but I wonder if the fourth commandment, one that many of us may have forgotten when we were listing them, is kind of the linchpin that helps us with the first three and the last six. Here's what Moses said about the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, even the livestock get the day off, and any foreigners live among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. What if the Sabbath day is a day, is a gift from God that allows us to reorient our lives around whose we are and around who we are? What if this day is an invitation to live on earth as in heaven? Most of us live at a pretty frenetic pace. Our days are packed with work, school, chores, extracurricular activities, and all the other things that keep us from moving from one activity to the next. It's pretty common when we meet each other out here in the hallway and we say, how are you doing? The common answer is, I'm pretty busy. And let me be clear, I'm not here to speak against that this morning. 
I really believe that many in this place are using their time to do very good things in this community and for the people around them. We are a high productivity group. And I think we are trying as a group to live in ways that use our time and our effort for God's purposes. But I do wonder if we have lost the gift and the purpose of Sabbath. Sabbath is about ceasing, stopping. My family, we have a joke, a running joke. Somebody has a habit or a quirk that they don't particularly like and they're trying to break it. We'll look at them and go, well, just stop it, (laughs) which is ridiculous, right? It's probably something I built up over years and years and years and just to say stop it doesn't work. And Sabbath is a lot like that. It's hard for us to stop, to cease. But the Sabbath is a formational rhythm in our lives. It helps us learn how to stop. It takes practice. It takes intentionality. And because of this, many see Sabbath as a burden rather than a gift. We have things to do. We have tasks to accomplish, names to make, goals to reach. And when we look at God's invitation to stop, it feels like a burden. And to be honest, many of you come from homes where laziness was the greatest sin. We stop accomplishing things and we hear some Pharaoh in the back of our minds saying, you're just lazy, lazy. That's that's why you're saying, let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. For many of us, that way of Egypt just lingers in the back of our minds when we try to take a day and stop. Some of us in the room need to understand the other side of it. That a drive to work and produce good things is not evil. We are created to work. God gave the first people the gift of tending the garden. I believe Isaiah when he says that the new heaven and the new earth will be a place in which they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people, my chosen ones, will long enjoy the work of their hands. Their labor will not be in vain. Friends, we are created to do good, fulfilling, life-giving work. But the frantic pace of life we often inhabit might not be that kind of work. That type of frantic work might be work of Egypt that enslaves us for the sake of some other God's purpose. So the question is, what does God have to offer us? Especially as I think about shepherding, as I think about going to my place of work and and having fulfilling, life-giving work, what does the Sabbath have to offer us. And I've narrowed it down to three things. 
There are more than that. I got time for three. So that's what we're going to talk about, okay? I think they're coming up on the screen. The first is wonder. I don't know about anybody else, but in the pace of my week, I rarely, I, I rarely take the time to pause and celebrate when something is done. Can I get a witness? I accomplish my task, and my next question is, what's next? And I believe that uh, Wonder Space, which is a ministry that has come out of this place, that believes that, that children experience God through play might have something right. Have you ever watched little kids play? There is a sense of awe and wonder when they do it that I, I don't know about, I don't always have it. I'll watch these kids at Wonder Space and there's just a mob of cardboard out on the floor, right? And they've got these little kid safe tools and they're building things, right? They are working and yet their eyes are full of wonder and awe and joy. And what the Sabbath offers us is time to reflect, time to stop so that we can enjoy the work of our hands. We can enjoy the work of God. I love the, the poet's picture in Genesis chapter one where it paints this beautiful picture of God creating the earth and how everything is just glorious and beautiful. And on the seventh day, God kicks back, stops, and says, it is very good. How often do you take the time to stop and say, it is very good? We're invited to wonder at God's work in our lives. This is why we gather each week for worship. We get to take our eyes up off of our work and look and celebrate God's creation, God's steadfast love, God's kindness, his mercy and his grace. And we get to do it together. We examine our lives in the light of God's presence and action. And God invites us to playful wonder, worship and thanksgiving. Might God be inviting you to take time on the Sabbath to play? Take time to enjoy nature. Take the time to look back at God's presence in your life and the favor God gives you. Unburden yourself from the next task and be fully free. Because the truth of it is most, most people these days, and including Christians, don't really feel free. So many of us are held captive by our need to produce, to be significant. We might feel like we are in bondage to our work. Think about it. Think about the ways we talk about the week, right? Monday, ugh. Wednesday, hump day, means we're about to get over the hill to the other side. As the great theologian's lover boy once said, everybody's working for the weekend. 
That's not freedom, friends. That's bondage. Moses wraps the observation of the Sabbath into the children of Israel's story of freedom. He says, at the end, he says, observe the Sabbath. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. The people of Israel had been held captive to productivity with their only value being how many bricks they could produce and how many buildings they could construct. Outside of their ability to produce, they were worthless to the Egyptians. And many people today are still living in Egypt. We are so caught up in what we can produce that sometimes we forget that this beautiful world that God has created will run without us. God will sustain it. I can take the S off of my chest and trust God. Sabbath is a day in which God offers us freedom from productivity in order to worship and be in relationship together. Maybe God is inviting you to waste some time on the Sabbath doing something life-giving. Look at the opportunities to enjoy something new. Do something you aren't good at. Learn a new skill that doesn't earn you anything. Create something. Spend a day living free from the need to be responsible for absolutely everything. Be free for creativity and relationship. Now Moses could have just called the people of God to take a day of rest, but notice that the command is to include everyone in your household, as well as the people you work with and who work for you. No matter if they're a part of your group or some other group, we are instructed to cease work together. And this is not an accident because not only are we held captive, held captive to getting our own value from what we can produce, there are times when we only see the value in the other when they can produce. The way I value them is rooted in what they can produce. And friends, that's not the way of the kingdom of God. In the passage from Mark 3 that we heard in just a little while ago, Jesus stands up in the synagogue on the Sabbath and he brings a man with a withered hand in front of the religious leaders. Now I'll be honest, I've read these passages of Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath with the religious leaders for years and I just always thought he was picking a fight. Right? It's almost like he would intentionally go, oh, I see these guys. They, they think... I'm going to heal somebody and that's be working on the Sabbath. Hey guy, come here. Stand up in front of everybody. He doesn't do it in silent. He doesn't do it in quiet, right? He, tra- he brings the guy out in front. And I think for years, I've often read those stories that way. And I've missed the beauty of what Jesus is doing here. Jesus stands up in front of the people with a man who in those days would have been looked on as worthless. He probably couldn't work. 
couldn't produce anything. He had no value. And Jesus looks at the religious leaders, knowing that they wanted to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath laws, and he asks, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this the day to save life or to destroy it? Jesus isn't picking a fight. He's showing us one of the formational formational aspects of the Sabbath. When we cease our productivity, when we stop being defined by our output, we can begin to more fully see the value of others, especially those who don't produce in the way we value. See, our vision of people is usually focused on the people who are right around us, working with us, accomplishing the tasks with us. But on the Sabbath, we are invited to have the eyes to see the image of God and those around us we normally neglect or are too busy to see. When we start to see each other this way, we can start to bring healing to each other, right? We can bring life. We don't need to murder, steal, covet, lie, commit adultery, or dishonor our families because we have the time and the sight to find value in each other and bring words and actions of healing to each other. Might be on your next Sabbath, God is calling you to walk with your eyes open to the people near and far from your day to day and to notice them, to really notice them. Might be calling you to listen to each other, laugh together, eat together, take a walk together, Do things that take time so you can really see each other. And through really seeing each other, begin to really see God. Sabbath rest isn't about just shutting down after a long week. It isn't just about disengaging with the world so that I can re-enter the next day. Sabbath is about ceasing our productivity in order to notice the way the world is supposed to be. Sabbath is about practicing who we are and whose we are without distraction. When we practice Sabbath, we begin to work more aware of God. We work with wonder at God's action that we notice more than we did before. We're free from the tyranny of expectations and we can live abundant lives that others will notice and want. We begin to notice the people who cross our paths and we notice them for who God has created them to be, not just what they can produce. Friends, if we want to love God with all of our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves, one of the ways we can begin to be formed in that way is to practice Sabbath. Would it be all right if we practice ceasing for a minute this morning as we close? Most of us struggle with Sabbath. I was preaching during the first service and Jordan Ashley, who was sitting over here, who's been working closely with me for the last two weeks, said, I wanted to shout out, liar! Even when we know, sometimes practicing Sabbath can be difficult. 
Ceasing is hard. 